you are tuning in to GrowPoint Humanitarian Podcast, where it's all about relationships. We exist to glorify God by making disciples in the spirit of love. We hope that this message will bless your heart. Daniel chapter 3 in your Bibles, if you would please. Daniel chapter 3. I want us to look at a very, very familiar passage of Scripture. It was in the fall of 1996 that a newlywed couple left their wedding reception in the wee hours of the morning, and I, I think that the, the groom must have been a little blurry-eyed or tired from the long evening, but he, he placed a black zippered pouch upon the top of his car, and in that black zippered pouch contained all of his wedding money. And as you can see what is coming, he drove off, and when they made it to their destination, of course, at $12,000, the money that they collected from their wedding, the money they were going to use on their honeymoon was now gone. What a horrifying place to be. Well, a young man by the name of David Yee, a man who was at that point unemployed and had struggling or struggling with his debts, he found that black zippered pouch, and in it was the $12,000. And although he could have desperately used the money, he chose not to keep it. But through great pain, he tracked down this newlywed couple, and he gave back the entire $12,000. And when later he was asked why, why did you do that? I mean, you needed it, you could have kept it. Why did you give the money back? And here's what he said. He said, it didn't matter whether it was 50, 1,000, or a million dollars. The money wasn't mine. It was simply a matter of right and wrong. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear a story like that, a story of a man who does right simply because it's the right thing to do, you know, my heart leaps, and I want to shout, and I want to say, yes, may there be more people just like him. And I think that all of us are kind of the same way. We love to hear a person who does right simply because it's the right thing to do. We love to hear stories about men and women of character and integrity, men and women who do right even though doing right is the hard thing to do. Maybe that's why we like movies such as Gladiator. Now, these are men movies, right? You know, Star Wars or Act of Valor because, you know, we all love a hero. We all love to see and to hear of somebody who did right even though doing right was the hard thing to do. You see, we love to hear stories of men and women of character. And one reason we love to hear stories of men and women of character is because character and integrity is so rare in our day. Isn't that true? Especially when we hear of politicians who take an oath to uphold the law, breaking the law, or we hear of men and women who took a vow to be faithful to their spouse, breaking that vow, or when we hear of charitable organizations, you know, who are responsible for handling donors' money, you know, misusing that money and thus leaving the needy in need. You see, when we hear stories like that, it, it, it begins to rock us because all of us love to hear stories about men and women of character, men and women of integrity. And all of us have met people who on the surface seem to have character. On the surface, they seem to have integrity until we scratch that surface and we realize something different. Like this man I once heard of in the city of Los Angeles, he wanted some Kentucky Fried Chicken. So he went into a Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurant and he ordered some chicken takeaway. And so after he got his order, he was driving in his car and he opened the box of chicken. Lo and behold, inside the box was not chicken, but it was full of cash. 
You see, the restaurant manager had put the night's receipts in the box of chicken in order to camouflage it so he could safely take it to the bank the next day. And so inadvertently, he gave the man the cash instead of the fried chicken. And so when the man saw the cash, he said to himself, I can't keep this money. And so he turned his car around, went back to the restaurant, handed that box of cash to the restaurant owner. And of course, the restaurant owner was a little bit amazed. I mean, he looked at him and said, I can't believe you did this. I cannot believe there's still a man of character. There's a man of integrity alive today. And he says, you know, the entire community needs to know that you are a man of integrity. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call the the newspaper reporters, and and I'm going to have them take your picture and, and write an article and let everybody know that there's still a man of character in this community And so the restaurant owner said, go get your wife out of the car and come and let us take your picture. The man said, I cannot do that. The restaurant owner said, well, why why can't you do that? And he said, because you see, I'm a married man and the woman in my car is not my wife. (laughs) (laughs) We've all met men and women who claim to have character, but when you scratch the surface, they don't. And what we need to know today is is that character is still important. It, It is still very, very important because... It is character, you see, that keeps us truthful in our conversations and honest in our dealings with money. It is character that keeps us faithful to our spouse and enables us to be a role model to our children. It is character, you see, that makes a person worthy to be trusted and a leader worth following. You see, it is character that enables a young person to stand and to say no to what is wrong and to look to God and to say yes to what is right. You see, it is character that enables us to do right even when doing right is the hard thing to do. It is character that enables us to stand firm with conviction in the pressures of life. You see, character is still important. It's important to you, it's important to others, and of course, it is important to our God. Because you see, our God wants us to be men and women of character. He wants us to be people of integrity. He wants us to be able to stand firm in the pressures of life. He wants us to live a life without compromise so we're able to do right, even when doing right is the hard thing to do. So when we come to Daniel chapter 3, you know, we meet three young men, young men of character, young men who went toe-to-toe with the most powerful man on the face of the earth. And these three young men had every reason to do wrong but they willingly chose to do right. And because these three men chose to do right, and they stood without compromise, standing firm in the pressures of life, do you know that they brought the most powerful man in the world to their knees, or to his knees? And from their example, here's what I want us to see. I want to see how you and I can stand firm in the pressures of life, how we can live a life without compromise, how we can do right, even when it's hard to do right. So let's pick up the story here in Daniel chapter 3, and I know it's a familiar story. And if some of this is a little bit repeat, don't worry. Just don't worry. Say, why don't worry? I don't know why you shouldn't worry, but just don't worry about it, okay? Because that's just the way it is, right? So Daniel chapter 3. When we come to Daniel chapter 3, as Pastor Jason so, um, has so well said over the last uh, few weeks and months even, We meet a king by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar. You remember King Neb, Nebuchadnezzar, right? You remember him? He was without a doubt the most powerful man on the face of the earth in this day. I mean, he was greatly feared. His empire stretched throughout the Middle East, and in the 40-year period that he reigned, he never lost a single battle, never won. 
And one of the cities that King Nebuchadnezzar conquered, of course, was the city of Jerusalem. And after Jerusalem fell, the Babylonians marched into the city and went to the MIT and the Harvard of the day. And there they marched off 75 of the best and the brightest of men and brought them back to Babylon. And three of these young men, these Rhodes Scholars, these, you know, top of the top, the, the cream of the cream, that they brought back to Babylon was who? It was Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three Rhodes Scholars entered Babylon as slaves, and they soon rose to prominence and became the managers of the entire city of Babylon. These were three young men who quickly had it made. I mean, they were on a first-name basis with the king. They had all of their needs met, and they had absolutely no reason on the face of the earth ever to challenge the authority of the king. In fact, we could say in modern vernacular, these three men, Meshach, Shedrach, and Abednego, they were um, men who had a 12,000-square-foot know, penthouse apartment with an infinity pool. They had the R their Audi R8 parked out in front, and they were Facebook kings with the friend. I mean, with the king. Do you get the idea? Okay, these guys had it, we're kind of bringing it down so you want, you got it? These guys had it made, you're thinking, I want that job, it's out there somewhere, okay? But these guys, I mean, they had it made. And so, what we need to understand a little bit about Babylon is this, is that Babylon in this day was like, was like New York City, it was like London, it was like Singapore, it was a country that was filled with people of various backgrounds and various nationalities, and so the king, he wanted to indoctrinate the foreigners in Babylon in the ways of the Babylonians. And so he erected this massive tower outside the city, about 90 feet tall, 12 feet wide, covered in gold. And his desire was, regardless of a person's religious background, when certain music in the city was played, people were to bow down and they were to begin to worship at this image. You say, why? Because King Nebuchadnezzar wanted the foreigners in the land to know that he and his God were the supreme authorities in their life. That he, King Nebuchadnezzar and his gods, dictated their future. And so when this music was played, everybody was to bow down and to worship at this image. And if you refused, as you read in Daniel chapter 3, you are to be put to death. In fact, the scripture says, whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Well, when Meshach, Shedrach, and Abednego heard of the king's edict, they decided that they were not going to play along. They said, no way, we're not going to do this because, you see, these young men knew because they were Jews, they had studied the scripture. They knew that for them to bow down and to worship at this golden image would violate the scripture, and these men knew the scripture. In fact, I know by this time they probably had the Ten Commandments memorized, and so they chose not to play along. They were not going to give their allegiance to the king, to, to this visible king, King Nebuchadnezzar, when they had already given their allegiance to the invisible king, the God of heaven, so they chose not to do it. And so having said, no, we're not going to do this in their own hearts, do you think that they were, do you think they were a bit tempted do you think these guys were a bit tempted to compromise? Do you think these three men, realizing that it's life or death, I mean, you bow, you live, you don't, you die, do you think they're a little bit tempted? Do you think that they were tempted to cave in, to compromise, to give in to the pressure? I would say absolutely yes, because consider their options. I mean, they were pretty limited. You know, there was not a third door, okay? It was, hey, listen, you... Uh, 
You obey, and you can live. You disobey, and you can die. And I think when these young men understood this, I think they probably had a huddle together and says, guys, come on, we, we got to talk this through. And, and I can almost see them in my mind's eye gathering together, you know, and saying, guys, um, you know, if, if we don't do what the king says, if we don't bow and worship at this, this idol, you know, we're going to lose everything. We're going to lose our future. We're going to lose our career. In fact, we could even lose our head. And, you know, I think that these guys could have easily justified their compromise. I think they could have easily done wrong and, and justified it in their own mind because all they had to do was look around and say something like this, well, everybody else is doing it because everybody else was doing it, right? I think they could have said, you know, um, you know guys, uh, I, I, think we can, uh, I think we can bow our knee, but, you know, we don't necessarily have to bow our heart. And so maybe things like this were going through their mind. Maybe they were saying, hey, listen, you know, um, we're the, we're the city managers, and our office demands that we, that we bow and we worship. Or, or maybe, you know, one of these guys came and said this, you know, we can do our people more good if we are officers in our king's service rather than being ashes in the king's furnace. And so I think, obviously, they could have made an excuse, and they could have justified, humanly speaking, their own actions. You see, but these three young men were unique. They were different. They had a true living walk with God. These were men of character and integrity. And these young men chose rather to, to die rather than to dishonor their God and lower their standards and cast aside their convictions and abandon character and integrity. They chose to do right, even when doing right was a hard thing to do. And you know, the same thing happens to us, doesn't it? Have you ever been in a, in a position where you feel pressured to lower your standard and to compromise your convictions and your integrity? You ever felt that pressure? I'm sure you have. I'm sure some would-be king has come and whispered in your ear and said something like this, listen, um, if you don't lower your standards, if you don't compromise your convictions, if you don't cast aside your integrity, then who's going to hire you? Or who's going to buy your product? Or who's going to trust you? Or who's going to follow you? Or who's going to invest in your idea? Or who's going to pay your bills? Or who's ever going to marry you? You'll never have any fun. You'll never see any success. Have you ever had a would-be king come and whisper something like that in your ear? Saying, listen, if you don't lower your standards and cast aside your character, you're never going to achieve your goals and you will never fulfill your dreams. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe you've come to a point in your life where you have thought, you know, there's no other option for me. If I'm going to be the person that I want to be, and if I'm going to achieve my goals and fulfill my dreams, then I must, in this situation, lower my standards and temporarily abandon my character and my integrity. And maybe you've come to the point, you think, hey, that's my only option. Can I say something to you this morning? That is not your only option. Do you know that you, as a believer, do not have to abandon your character, cast aside your integrity, lower your standard to achieve your goals and to fulfill your dreams? There is another option. For let's carry on in the story. Notice what happened. When the king heard that these three young men would not play along, that they weren't going to bow and worship this golden idol, the king, as you could well imagine, he was furious, Right? But you see, the king had a special relationship with these three young men, and so he gave them a second chance to obey 
And here's what the king said. Listen. He said, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? In other words, listen, have I heard this correctly about you? He gave them a second chance. Why? They had a special relationship. He said, but now if you're ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, he says, and that will be good for you, but if you do not worship, here it is, you shall be cast immediately in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands. Do you know when King Nebuchadnezzar made this statement to these three young men, he thought that he could buy their allegiance with the promise of life. He thought that he could buy their allegiance with the promise of life because this king was a wise man. He was a wise man, actually. I mean, these three young men were teenagers, and the king had been experienced already, you know, many years as the king of Babylon. I mean, I think he had eaten more salt than they had even rice in their life. And he knew something about men. He knew something about the heart of men. He knew that every man has his price. He knew that people will lower their standards and temporarily abandon their character if the price is right. And the price for these three young men was the price of life or death. Gave them an option. He set a price. The king soon realized that these were unique young men. <laughs> these were men who had character. These were young men who had integrity. And see, they had already made a choice. They would rather die than to dishonor their God. And the king soon realized that these three young men could not be bought and they were not for sale. Because as I have said, most people have a price, don't they? Many people will compromise their convictions temporarily. They will lower their standards temporarily if the price is right. Remember a few years ago, and maybe you remember this movie, it was called Indecent Proposal. What a title for a movie, huh? I hope nobody has seen it. I, I never saw the movie, okay? I just had read about it, but Indecent Proposal. It starred Robert Redford and... Demi Moore, thank you very much. I got it. Demi Moore and Robert Redford. The character played by Robert Redford offered Demi Moore a million dollars if she would sleep with him for one night. And the money that she would receive through this immoral act would settle her husband's staggering gambling debts and, of course, pay off their mortgage. And the movie, which was kind of an incredible theme, it did create a lot of controversy and a lot of talk on talk shows. And one talk show host by the name of Oprah Winfrey picked it up and she asked her television audience this question. She said, how many of you would sleep with somebody who was not your spouse one time for a million dollars? And 55% of the studio audience raised their hand and they said, a million dollars? I would do it. You see, that was their price. They were willing to lower their standards, compromise their character, and cast aside their integrity for what? For a million dollars. That was their price. Let me ask you a question. What is your price? What would it take for you to compromise your convictions? Would you sleep with somebody who is not your spouse once for a million dollars? Would you lie to your client in order to secure that contract? 
Would you marry an unsaved person because you see your opportunity of having a family slipping away? So what is your price? What would you do to achieve your goals and to fulfill your dreams? You know, although people have their price, do you know that a person of character and a person of integrity is not for sale? Such as the preacher Charles Spurgeon. Do you guys know his name, Charles Spurgeon? About 100 years ago, he was without a doubt the most popular preacher in the world. I mean, from the day he started preaching as a young man, I mean, his church was overflowing with people coming to hear the Word of God. In fact, there was not a building large enough to hold the crowds that wanted to come to hear this man of God preach the Word of God. And not only did he have a packed-out church, but he was without a doubt the most well-known preacher in the world simply through his writings. I mean, in fact, in the Western world, there probably wasn't a believer alive. In fact, I would probably say there were very few people alive who did not and had not heard of Charles Spurgeon. Well, as Charles Spurgeon was preaching the gospel in the city of London, drawing in the crowds, there was another man by the name of P.T. Barnum. Now, maybe you know the name P.T. Barnum from the circus, Barnum and Bailey Circus. Are you with me? Communicate. Uh, you with me? Okay. Well, as Spurgeon was in London preaching, drawing in the crowds into his church, P.T. Barnum's job was to fill his circus tent with people. And so when he heard that Charles Spurgeon was just packing people in, he decided that he was going to see if he could buy Charles Spurgeon. So he wrote him a letter, and he offered him an incredible amount of money to come to the United States and to speak in his tent, his circumstance, in order to draw in the crowds. What do you think Charles Spurgeon did? I'll tell you. He wrote him a letter. But on that letter was simply one Bible verse. And here's what he said. It's found in Acts chapter 8 and verse 20. He said, your money, can you finish the verse? Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. And friends, do you know why a man of God does not compromise? Do you know why a man of God does not temporarily set aside his character and his integrity? Do you know why a man of God does not lower his standard? Because he doesn't have to. He knows he doesn't have to lower his standard and cast aside his character and abandon his integrity to achieve his goals and to fulfill his dreams. He knows he doesn't have to do that. Let's go back to the story. These three young men now have been given a second chance by King Nebuchadnezzar. And as they were standing in the presence of him, after he had given them the second chance, they responded to the king, and here's what these three young men said. They said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter, because if that is the case, in other words, you're asking me to choose life and death, he says, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image in which you have set up. You know, when I read that, I, I just say, wow. I, I mean, could you imagine these three young teenagers standing in the presence of the most powerful man on the earth, being pressured to choose life or death? 
I mean, sometimes when we read the Word of God, we got to try to slip into the shoes of those who are being talked about, you know? I mean, just think about it. I mean, you're 19 years of age, and you're standing before the most powerful man on the face of the earth who claims to have power over your future, and he says, if you don't do what I say, you will die, and your inside is screaming because you know what you need to do. You know what is right, and yet you're being incredibly pressured to do wrong. I mean, this is the situation that these three young men found themselves in, and then I can imagine their knees were shaking, but their heart was firm. As they cast their head up, they looked square into the eyes of the king, and in modern vernacular, they said, and I believe they said it Sweetly, softly, and with reverence, they said, Oh, king, we will not give in to your pressure, and we will not bow our knee to that image. That's character. These were men who were possessed by integrity. And have you ever wondered, as you've read this story probably a couple thousand times, or at least you've heard it, have you ever wondered to yourself, what gave these three young men away from family and friends, any kind of support system, what gave these three young men the courage to go toe-to-toe with the most powerful man on earth? Have you ever wondered that? What gave them the courage? What enabled them to stand? What enabled them to do right, even when doing right was hard to do? Have you ever wondered? Can I give you the answer? Here it is. They did right because they knew something about their God. Do you know what they knew about their God? They knew that God was the source of their success, and He alone controlled their future. Listen, do you get it? Do you see why they could stand? Do you see why they had the ability to do right, even though doing right was hard to do? Because they knew something about their God. It wasn't them. It was God. And it was knowledge of God. And knowing that God, not King Nebuchadnezzar, controlled their future. And he and he alone was the source of their success. You see, they knew. They knew that everything that they had in life, They knew that their rise to prominence, their position as the managers of the city, all that the money they had in their pocket, that Audi R8 parked in front of their 12,000 square foot penthouse with that infinity pool, they knew that that came from God. And God, not the king, was control of their future. Are you guys with me? Now, I'm going to apply this in just a moment and show you how it works in our life. But I want you to get the truth. This is it. It wasn't that these guys were special. Oh, you know, the best and the brightest, these three guys from Harvard and MIT of Jerusalem, you know. Hey, I could never be like them, so I could never do as they did. Uh Uh-uh, listen, it wasn't about them. It was about who? It was about our God. It's the fact that they realized that, yes, God, He is the source of my success. And He controls my future. You see, they knew that it was foolish to abandon their God who controls their future and serve King Nebuchadnezzar who claims to control their future. You see, they knew that it was foolish (laughs) to abandon the principles of God in order to attempt to maintain the blessings of God. Are you with me? Because they realized that the source of their success was God. And that God controlled 
their future. You see, they knew that. And so when we are tempted to cave in, and when we feel ourselves under pressure, and some would-be king comes and he begins to whisper in your ear and he says, listen, if you do not lower your standards and if you don't temporarily cast aside your character and abandon your integrity, at least for a time, listen, you'll never fulfill your dreams. You'll never achieve success. When we're tempted and we're pressured by all those would-be kings who whisper in our ear, friends, we need to remember. We need to remember that God is the source of our success and he and he alone is in control of your future. Listen, it is not man. It is not a situation. It is not a circumstance. It is not your company. It is not your boss. It is not your boyfriend. It is not your girlfriend. It is not that relationship. They do not control your future, but God does. And I'm telling you, when we get to understand that, it gives us freedom. It frees us to do what? To do right. Even when doing right is hard to do. You see, when you're tempted, remember this. Remember that you can do right when it's hard to do right. When you understand that God controls your future and he and he alone is a source of your success. And friends, listen, you you, got to get this. Because when we got that, I mean, when that is in the core of our soul, it gives you freedom. It produces freedom. It gives you freedom. You see, it frees a young girl not to cave into the pressures around her and to do things that she knows in her soul she shouldn't do. Why? Because she knows that it's God who controls her future. It is God that is the source of her success. You see, when we understand this, it gives freedom. It frees a young man to say no to his boss who comes to him and says, listen, you secure this contract no matter what. It produces freedom in the heart of a father who says to his company, I'm sorry, I'm not going to take that promotion because if I take it, it's going to take me away from my family and this is a critical time in our life. And why does he do that? He knows even though it might hinder his future with the company, he does it. Why? Because he knows his company is not in control of his future. God is. And his company does not control his success. God does. It frees us. It frees us to do what? It frees us to do right. Even when doing right is hard to do. Do you see that? You getting it? You're sitting there like, so we'll go on. <laughs> it gives freedom. It empowers a person to give back that money or not take that money even though they might desperately need it. Why? Because they know that God is the source of their success, not an act of dishonesty. It enables us to do right, even when doing right is a hard thing to do. It empowers us to live with conviction and to live without compromise and to stand firm in the pressures of life. I don't know if you guys know this name. His name is Ken Wales. Back in the late 1950s, nearly 60s, he was a struggling actor in Hollywood. And he secured a part in a movie that would have just propelled him to stardom. The movie is a 1958 movie called Some Came Running, and I'm sure nobody here knows that movie. But maybe those of my generation would know these actors and actresses. It starred Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, Shirley MacLaine, and everybody 50 above smiles, and everybody 50 below and says, 
Martin who? <laughs> well, I'll just say it this way. They were the Angelina, Jolie, and Brad Pitt of our day, okay? And so this man, Ken Wales, was, was asked to star with these three superstars of the day. And when he read over the script, he realized that he had a part that he could not act because he knew, being a believer, that this part would compromise his Christian convictions. He was, in the movie, supposed to get a lady drunk and then sexually take advantage of her. And so he went to the director of that movie, a man by the name of Vincent Minnelli. You probably don't know that name either, but he would be the Ridley Scott of our day, all right? I mean, he was huge in that day. Of course, those who are 50 above, you know the name. Vincent Minnelli, all right? And so when he came to Minnelli and told him, hey, listen, I'm a Christian. I can't do this. This, is, this compromises my, my Christian values, and I'm sorry. I can't act this part. And here's what Minnelli said. He said, you know, you are under contract. And if you refuse to do this, here's what's going to happen. You will be suspended. You'll get no pay for a year. And I guarantee you, because I'm the most powerful director in Hollywood, you will never, ever again work in this city. In other words, you might as well go sell used cars because you'll never again act or direct a film in Hollywood. Well, he looked at Vincent Minnelli and said, I'm sorry, I can't do it. You're going to have to get somebody else. I am not going to compromise my Christian convictions. And he walked out. And sure enough, he was suspended. And Vincent Minnelli slandered his name throughout Hollywood. But you know what's amazing? Even though Vincent Minnelli tried to destroy this man's career, his career in Hollywood was not over. In fact, in the next 50 years, he would go on to be one of the most acclaimed film producers and directors in Hollywood history, directing many films that we would know of, and most recently the 2006 film entitled Amazing Grace. But do you know why this stand did not ruin his acting career? You know why this stand did not ruin his career in Hollywood? Do you know why? Because he knew something. He knew that it was God that controlled his future, not man. He knew that God was the source of his strength, not Vincent Minnelli. And friends, the same is true with us. You see, when we understand that God controls our future and he is the source of our success, it gives us freedom to stand without compromise in the pressures of life. And we got to get that. Because all of us have would-be kings that whisper in our ear, and are constantly pressuring us to cast aside what we believe and temporarily abandoning what we stand on in order that we might achieve success and fulfill our dreams. We go back to Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Although they took their stand, what happened? You say, ah, pastor, come on. You know, what are you talking about? They were thrown in the fiery furnace. Well, were they? It's okay. You can talk to me. Were they? Absolutely. But what happened? They were what? They were delivered. Okay, let me just say it this way, since you're not playing along today, all right? You guys got to come with your lattes in hands, all right? Or your espresso or double espresso or triple, I don't know what it is. Hey, listen, they were thrown in the fiery furnace, but you know what? They were delivered. And here's what it reminds us. It reminds us this. If you take a stand and you do right, even when doing right is not easy, it may cost you something. Like Ken Wales, it might cost you your job. It might cost you a promotion. 
It might cost you that relationship. But please know this. Because God controls our future and He is a source of our success, we can bank on the fact just around the corner, God has something planned for you. Because that's exactly what happened to these three, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Notice what happened. Having thrown into the fiery furnace, they were delivered by God, and here's the king's response. Nebuchadnezzar spoke and he said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies, and they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. I mean, what a testimony, okay? And then notice, then the king, what's that word? Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Egypt. Here's what happened. You see, they took a stand, and they lost something. And yet, at the end of it, God turned it all around, and he gave them a promotion. Yes, he gave them a raise. And friends, why? Because, you see, it's not the king that controls their future. It is God that controls their future. And it's the same God that controls our future. And yet, I wanted to say this, more important than the promotion, more important than the pay raise, do you know that because these three young men took a stand, because these three young men did right even when doing right was hard to do, do you realize that their testimony, their character, the fact that you've got to stand for their God, do you realize that this impacted the heart of the king and eventually it brought this king to his knees? Their testimony. The fact that they took a stand, listen, it spoke to the heart of the king and eventually brought him to his knees. One chapter later, in Daniel chapter 4, we see King Nebuchadnezzar bowing his knee and worshiping the God of Israel. Because you see, that's what happens when we live a life without compromise. And we make a choice to stand firm in the pressures of life. You see, friends, when we make a choice, knowing that God is in control of my future and He is the source of my success, and, and we willingly do right, even when doing right is hard to do, do you realize that it impacts the world that's watching us? Do you realize that our character and our te- integrity and our stand for Jesus, it impacts the people who are watching your life? It impacts them. Knowing does God have a plan for you. Not only does it give us freedom to stand, but my friends, listen, it impacts the people who are watching your life. I want to close with this story. There's a pastor in a particular city, and he, he was in a hurry, but he needed to pick something up, so he walked in the mall, picked it up, and as he, was, as he was going out of the mall, he looked over and he saw a music shop that advertised two CDs for $9.99. Being a music lover, he decided, hey, this could be a good deal. So he walked into the music store, found two albums that he wanted. He purchased them, and he walked out. And as he was going back to his car, he was reading the receipt and realized that he was undercharged. Two CDs for $9.99, but the young lady at the counter gave him two CDs for $1.99. And he did what you and I do when that happens. All of a sudden, the mind starts to justify her actions. Well, she made a mistake, not my problem, and he kept walking Spirit of God said to him, no, you, you need to settle this. You need to go back. You, you, you just can't let this happen. He said, all right, you know, obeyed. And he went back to the shop, and he walked up to the cashier, and he says, you know, I think you made a mistake. 
two CDs for $9.99, but you only charged me $1.99. Can you correct this? And she looked at him. She said, sir, I did not make a mistake. He said, yes, you, you made a mistake. Look, the sign says two CDs for $9.99. The receipt says that I only, you only charged me $1.99. You made a mistake. Can you correct it? She said, sir, I did not make a mistake. And so he stopped for a moment. He says, well, what do you mean? And she said, sir, it's like this. She says, for 17 years, I have been out of church. But recently, my life has been falling apart, and I knew that I needed to get back in church and to get back into a relationship with God. And so she said, I looked for the nearest church around, and so I went to this church on Sunday, and the pastor was preaching on integrity. And when I saw you in line, I realized you were the pastor that was preaching on Sunday, and I wanted to see if this is something that you preach on Sunday or something that you also live on Monday. And so she said, I charge you $1.99. I wanted to see what you would do. And then her countenance changed, and she looked at him with these piercing eyes, and she said, sir, I don't even know the question to ask. But whatever you have, I want. And she began to cry. The manager came out and relieved her of her duties, and the pastor went back and spent a couple hours and brought that lady into a living, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, friends, people are watching you. And God wants us to live without compromise and to stand firm in the pressures of life. And you know what? As believers, we can. We can do that. You see, we can do that when, here's this, when we understand that God controls your future. He and He alone is a source of our success. People are watching you. And may we ask the God of heaven today to so fill us with his spirit and so give us understanding of who God is that when these would-be kings come and whisper in our ears that we might be able to stand and not cave in and compromise and cast aside our character. But we can stand and do right even when doing right is the hard thing to do. Let's bow for prayer, shall we, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Lord, we just want to say thank you today for the great example of these three men. Lord, I know that you've left this story, as simple as it is in the Scripture, to remind us of you and who you are. Lord, I want to thank you today that you are a sovereign God, that you are a God who is in control. And you are concerned for every aspect of our life. Lord, I know that every single person here, every hair upon their head is numbered. And nothing happens, Lord, that escapes your attention in our life. And thank you. Lord, I pray today that you would strengthen each and every person. Maybe, Lord, there are some in the audience today who are struggling with the pressures of life. Lord, maybe there are some young people today are ready to cave in because the pressures of life. Lord, I pray that they would cast their eyes upward, and today that they would see you, and may the Spirit of God so burn into their heart that they would know that you are in control of their future, and you are the source of their success. Lord, I pray today for each and every person that we today would live without compromise and stand firm in the pressures of life. Take your word. Speak now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this morning.